0: All right, everybody. Welcome. It's so great to have you out there. I've just been getting so many amazing comments from people. I so appreciate this incredible audience. Uh, Some of the best friends that I've developed the last few years have actually come from this, our uh, eternal leadership audience. And I would love to hear from you about any ideas that you have. We get, now that we've been ranked by iTunes in their top 50 globally, we're getting requests two, three sometimes a day for guests to come on, uh, guests that want to be on. And what I really want to do is get the guests on that you guys want to, or you the the men and women out there. I'm from Minnesota. I say you guys. I'm actually trying to change that habit. But anyway, what you want to hear from. So please let us know. We really value that. So today I'm excited. Because we have James Kramer
1: back on the podcast. James, welcome back on Eternal Leadership. Well, thank you for having me. It's actually really exciting. I am still having people reach out to us for the first time from the podcast we did with you a year and a half ago. In fact, just last week, somebody reached out and said, hello, said, I just listened to you on the Eternal Leadership podcast, and they wanted to connect with us. So it's a privilege to be back on the show with you.
0: Well, i love to have you on. And uh, we first met, if you're familiar with Oz Hillman, we've had on a number of times. And then I think it was a year ago, was it last spring, at the Culture Changers Conference in D.C. that James put on about really how do we have a profound impact in all the different seven mountains of influence. And uh, you were leading that. And uh, we got to spend some time there. And I got to meet Anna, and you in person. Anna's James's amazing wife, by the way. He and I both married up big time. For sure. So here's a little background on James, So because we're going to dig into something really cool today. Over the last decade, James, you have worked with hundreds of businesses, really grow and impact their industries. You've had clients ranging from multi-billion dollar companies to serial entrepreneurs. And you have this amazing, this proven track record of recognizing market opportunities and effective brand strategies. And here's what I love about you. You believe that Christians should be on the leading edge, the leading edge of technology, innovation, and design. And he wants to see Christians be preeminent in every sphere of culture. So you and your beautiful bride, Anna, you co-founded to do this NUMA33 Creative. And if you guys want to look that up, it's P-N-E-U-M-A-33. NUMA 33, all together, no spaces, creative. You also found a World Changer magazine, which is phenomenal. The World Changer Foundation, Beulah Capital, and commissioned. We're going to be talking about commissioned a lot today. And you've been featured on our podcast and Sean Bowles and the Prophetic Podcast and God TV and Forbes 10 Talent Leader Talk. So, and you live in Kansas City. And, you know, with that, James, I would love for you to just share with us a little bit about your whole journey, go back as far as you want about, you know, maybe even some kind of the spiritual road and business road you've taken and where they've intersected.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Be honored. So, again, just thanks for letting me be on here with you and engaging with your audience. I love your podcast and listen to it as well myself. And since we were on the podcast with you, I've actually gotten to meet quite a few other people that engage with your podcast, and they've become really good friends of ours, and some of them have even become advisors with us on Commissioned. So I love your tribe, John. They're incredible people. So thank you for having us on. I will go back a little bit on my story. I was raised by pastors. In fact, my mom and dad, Aaron and Rita, just retired after 50 years in the ministry as senior pastors. And so my whole upbringing was in the church. That's the path I thought I was going to go on. I thought I'd either be a pastor or a missionary and uh, went to a a Christian school, Uh, was planning on going to seminary and the Lord stopped me and sent me to China instead. Ended up going to China and teaching at a university and leading underground house churches and enjoyed that for a year. What was that Uh, like in
0: China? I've heard so many stories about the underground church in China that they're amazingly resilient, they're being persecuted, and they're also growing rapidly. Is
1: that correct, James? Yeah, absolutely. Now, it's been a few years since I was there, but we went to one church and there was a Chinese man who was a pastor there. And he was telling me a story. He said, I've actually spent more years in prison for being a Christian than out of prison. And so he said the last Easter, when he was telling me the story, he said a bunch of officers came and surrounded his church and said, come on out, we're going to arrest you. And he said, I just went out the window and looked out and said, look, I have spent more years in prison than out of prison. I don't care where you want me. If you want me in prison, that's fine. I'll lead everybody there to Jesus. If you want me out here, I'll lead everybody out here to Jesus. Just pick a place and let me stay put for a while. And they actually walked away and left and left him there to lead his Easter service. So, yes, there's some very inspired people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, doing incredible things for the kingdom in China, at great personal sacrifice.
0: You know, a friend of mine, I don't know if you know Kay Hiramine. He does a lot of work with the Chinese church. He came back from a trip recently, and they pulled aside and they had this big, like, throwdown prayer service for Kay as he was coming back to America, which prayed didn't you know Kay didn't understand. He asked him, James, what did you pray for? And the senior pastor there, the Chinese gentleman, looked a little sheepish and didn't really want to say. And when he translate, when he finally shared, James, what he said is we actually prayed for persecution like we've experienced here to make the American church strong.
1: Yeah, for
0: sure. And I'm like, (laughs) well, wow. You know what? You know, it's interesting, too. And it's really, I know we're going to get there. It's really what's behind, you know, your heart behind commission, too. I mean, look at this, our society and our culture right now in large part. The Evangelical Church Catholic Church has lost its influence in culture and we've seeded seeded that but it's also been a it, there's been a lot of persecution but anyway okay so China what happened to you after China I'm sorry uh, get I'm gonna it's I, wonderful I'm gonna definitely go on some tangents dude that's just kind of hard great
1: roll. I love it so after China I was invited to help some friends start a uh, discipleship school for young people so I came home. And help them start the school for a couple of years. At the end of the second year, we were in Mozambique with Heidi and Roland Baker's Iris Ministries in Maputo, Mozambique. Uh, This is around 2003, I think. And we had been there for a few weeks. On the last day, getting ready to come home, and now I didn't have any plans because I was I did Bible school, and then I was going to go to seminary. I went to China instead couple of years at the school and now I didn't know what I was going to do. So I'm coming home and the last morning there at Iris Ministries I heard the Holy Spirit ask me a question and it was most unusual thing because my experience to that point had been the Lord tells me something to do and I either obey or I disobey. In this case I felt like he asked me a question and I could say yes or no if I wanted. And he said would you like to get into technology. Now how did and- he ask the question to you James? Yeah, well, you know, it's that thing of how do you hear the voice of the Lord? For me, it was just an absolute knowing that the Lord was posing a question to my heart. And I I don't know if I could say that I heard him audibly, but I just knew that he was asking me a question. And so I felt right then I was in prayer. I felt like the Lord was saying, would you like to get into technology? I processed it for a moment. I said, I don't really have any history or background in technology, but yeah, sure, I would. And so I came home and was briefly staying with my parents, uh, trying to figure out what to do. And my parents' youth pastor called me about a week later and he said, Hey, you don't know me, but I was praying last night and um, I own a technology company. And I felt like the Lord asked me to ask you if you would like to get into technology. (laughs) I'm like, well, interestingly enough, I just heard the Lord ask me the same question last week. So yes, I don't know much about technology, but I'd love to get into technology. So he took me under his wings and I worked for him for a number of years and um, he taught me the ropes and ended up getting into IT and getting into coding, building websites, getting into digital marketing. And after a number of years, I spun out and actually created my own web development, digital marketing agency. And then when I met my wife, she came from a business family and a business background. And so out of that is what eventually launched NUMA33 Creative, our Holy Spirit fueled agency.
0: And tell me what what was the vision behind NUMA33 when you guys, when all this came together with you and Anna?
1: Yeah, we really felt like, especially in the body of Christ, there needed to be a spirit of excellence. We've seen too many Christian organizations or businesses or ministries that just really need to raise the bar in terms of their messaging, their design their presentation, their clarity of vision and mission. You know, you go back to Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life and The Purpose Driven Church, and it's just been such a profoundly impactful message. And yet it shouldn't have been that profoundly impactful. Like the body of Christ should have already recognized that we need to be living and moving out of purpose and have a clear mission and vision. Churches shouldn't have had to have this reawakening of, wow, there's a bigger vision and purpose for our church. That should have been ingrained in us from the beginning but it hasn't been. And so that's why his book has had such a tremendous impact for so long is that individuals and organizations and ministries needed an injection of purpose. They needed to understand that there's a reason bigger than themselves that God has put them together and is leading them into something. And so our agency actually exists to help Christians capture God's vision for their organization, whether it's for-profit or non-profit, and get clear about what God's vision is for their organization so that they can fulfill that assignment through their organization. So that's what NUMA was all about, is actually releasing the creativity of heaven into the marketplace and helping Christian businesses and Christian ministries have greater impact through their mission.
0: Yeah, and you said that NUMA 33 helps business owners kind of capture that vision and mission into their business. What does that look like, James?
1: Yeah, we have a process. Uh, We we got a promise from the Lord that He was going to be releasing heaven's blueprints to us for people and ministries and businesses and organizations, and so we took our onboarding process and we actually called it the Creative Blueprint. And in that, we spend three to four to five days together with the stakeholders of an organization, and we do typical business processes, you know, SWOT analysis and some of those basic things. But we also do, you know, vision, mission, values, culture, DNA, history you know, value propositions, that sort of thing. But it all culminates in the final day when we get together into a room. And what we're really doing is saying, what is God's vision for your organization? What did he plan? Why did he put this dream in your heart for this ministry or this business? What is he going after? And we seek the Lord together. And it's uh, an incredibly powerful moment where we just take the time to hear what the Lord is saying and doing and why he has why that organization was on God's heart. And out of that comes all of the strategy that we execute on through branding or messaging or marketing or advertising campaigns.
0: So as you're working on that, you know, with business owners today, and I think that's really neat, right? Cause you, you get to see across so many different kinds of businesses and you, you don't work with just, I guess the business sphere, right? You're working across media, yeah. arts and entertainment, you know, the church family organizations, right? You're, you're seeing a lot with what you guys do, which is really cool. Do you have a sense right now, James, of what, you know, how God is moving right now in, in the world? I mean, there's so much happening. There's so much change, right? I remember the first thing God said to me when I was in his presence at my accident. And it was really profound for me. And It was, you know, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord, right? For those that are called according to His, you know, the Lord's purpose. And so I look at everything out there that's happening, you know, some of these disruptions and unrest and and disease and all these things with a sense of calm, because I know that this is all part of, you know, this is all going to work together from God's perspective for good. So... You know, what's your sense of how God is moving?
1: Yeah, there seems to be a tremendous move of God right now on collaboration and unity. Mm -hmm. Groups that have always been siloed or felt each other were competitors, they seem to be mobilizing and unifying together. And I think that's really reflective of a shift in the body of Christ from being, depending upon the circle or the tribe that you're in, some have said we've been in the church age really since Constantine when he institutionalized the church and it became a place to go instead of something that we are and that church age has existed for 1700 years now. And there's been a shift recently and many people have different terms for it. Some would call it an apostolic age or a kingdom age or some other term. But the idea is we're no longer content to just invite people into a gather paradigm where we come together in church on Sunday morning. But instead, it's we are supposed to be the body of Christ in every single sphere, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so there is a sending out into every single sphere of culture. And within that sending out, all of a sudden now you have organizations saying we can have greater impact if we do this together. And I think what is being reflective here is you have groups like Bethel Church in Redding, California, Mm -hmm. that have been talking revival for a very long time. But revival always transitions into a reformation. And we are in a season of reformation now. A reformation is the heavy lifting required to get society in line with what God is saying and doing and what God's intentions are for society. And all the upheaval happening right now in America and in other nations is part of this reformation process. And there's pain and there's chaos and there's confusion because you're uprooting things that have been long established. And that have been just the way we do things. And some of these things have to be dismantled. And it creates this tension. But I see right now the body of Christ just is stepping into a new season of reformation.
0: It's also stepping into a new role, isn't it? Just to, even as, you know, let's bring this down to the individual level. Like, you know, folks listening, right? You know, we're, we're going to church. A lot of us have, you know, shifted to just going to church online right? We're not as in community as we used to be. You know, as you say, you know, what you just said to me just feels like, okay, that is what is happening. That just feels true to me, James. Yeah. And so how do we as individuals step into that role as reformer? Behind James is this beautiful poster with one of my favorite, well, it's more than a quote, It's, but it's from uh, Theodore Roosevelt, correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The
0: man in the arena. And it's about, you know, stepping out of our comfort zone. You know, here, here's something that's been a big shift for me really in the last three, four months. Something that God showed me, James, was that I was praying, God, show me your will for John, for my life, what I should do next. And I was reading in Exodus and I was reading about Moses. And what God showed me was, you know what, that was not my will for Moses. This wasn't like I came down with this big assignment for Moses. Moses wasn't sitting there seeking and waiting for God to give him, you know, the directions. No, at that time, God had a much bigger will, and that was actually to free an entire nation. And that shifted my prayer life, James, to one of God, reveal your will and what you're doing in the world and how you're moving and what's happening And please show me what I need to do to change, to grow, to be challenged, to join you in that. And I think that's part of how we step into a role as a reformer out in the kingdom. But I'd love your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I think the Lord is stirring things up like never before. I think I am okay with the idea that we may never go back to the way things have been before this whole global pandemic that we've been in for a while now. And I know that there's some people scared that people might not return to church as they did before. And I'm actually okay with that because I think the Lord is trying to do something brand new. And I think that there are even new models of the way we will be joined together in Christian community. I know some groups that have moved into an entire online platform and they're scaling rapidly. They're having greater impact. The family units are becoming stronger. They're having more close-knit fellowship than they ever had when they went to a Sunday morning service and sat there and listened to somebody teach at them for you know 30 to 45 minutes. They're actually getting deeper bonds with each other. And it's actually freeing up more resources because they're not having to pay for expensive buildings. And I think what's a- actually happening is people are getting back to the early church model where we met in homes. And it was this family unit. We have some incredible people that one of their messages that they carry is Jesus's only organization model that he ever taught was the family unit. And that's really how the early church started as well, was small family units. And so I think part of this move into Reformation is to disrupt the entire paradigm of how Christianity looks, how we operate together, how we flow together, how we engage together. And I think it's a really, really good thing. I think it's an incredible opportunity for the Lord to birth something brand new and move us into a brand new season of awakening.
0: And so, you know, as individuals, right, going through all this change, right, I know for us, right, we're going to online church, we're staying connected, Our the online presence has actually grown rapidly, more than you could ever grow for our church than, you know, bringing new people like, you know, into a physical space. And I, I would love to know the data, but I'd be willing to bet my sense is a lot more people are actually watching or attending church and getting equipped than there were before.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But as we're doing that, what are some things that we can do to kind of say, okay, how do we start connecting with people in, you know, given the global conditions? And what does that You know, how do we then, you know, kind of connect and listen to what the Lord is saying and then bring that out in the world?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's important right now that we start understanding that as the body of Christ, we have incredible untapped potential. And if we stop operating in silo and start understanding the mechanism of operating as the body of Christ... I think that there could be incredible change and transformation. If I can, I actually just want to take a moment and tell two different stories. Sure. Um, these are not my stories. They're people that we're connected with. One is a story about a group called Table 71. And I'm going to abbreviate the story. So those of you who know more about the story will understand I'm skipping part of the timeline. But just for expediency, I'm just going to give a high-level summary of it. But in the year 2000, Billy Graham and his organization convened a number of leaders in Amsterdam for a number of days of meetings. And within that meeting, they had 600 people pulled aside into a three day meeting. And these 600 leaders were sitting around tables and 10 to 12 people at a table. And the question was asked how would we fulfill the Great Commission in our lifetime? And these 600 leaders, many of them leading global ministries, realized well, we don't even know how we would measure that success? How would we know that we've actually fulfilled the Great Commission? And they realized, how do we not know what those finish lines are? So they actually broke down those finish lines into seven categories. And one of those categories was, we know we haven't fulfilled the Great Commission until we have gotten the gospel to every unreached, unengaged people group on the planet. They thought there were around 300. Turns out there were 3,700. And this one group of people sitting at table 71 essentially committed to taking the gospel to all of the rest. And now you fast forward 20 years later, that group of 12 people at Table 71 became 40, became more. Now it's about 1500 organizations, some of them local, some of them regional, some national, some multinational. And these organizations have now unified and collaborated around the gospel. And instead of there being 3,700 unreached, unengaged people groups, there's down to less than 270. They pooled resources. They put in $1.9 billion just towards this one effort. And now, I mean, it's in sight. Within a number of years, just a few years, they will have been able to take the gospel to every unreached, unengaged people group on the planet. And nobody's even ever heard of this Table 71 group because they never formed an organization. They didn't form a 501c3. They didn't try to control anything. It was just a loose collaboration of Christians who said, what if we could go after something really, really big and collaborate and bring all of our resources together and unify in vision and strategy? What could we actually accomplish together? And they've been able to do it. And it's just a tremendous success. And along the way, they've also done hundreds of other smaller initiatives that help them get to this bigger goal. So that's just one of these stories. And I have another one for you as well. All right, let it rip. Okay. So this is a guy named Bekeli Shenko out of Ethiopia, and he's been with Crew, what was formerly Campus Crusade, since 1993. First, he was director of Ethiopia, then he became regional director for 23 countries in Africa. Now he's actually a global vice president for Crew, but he was involved in designing and leading major national and international evangelistic projects. One of those was Operation Philip in Ethiopia, and then Operation Sunrise in Africa. And in Operation Sunrise in Africa, he put together a list of a number of questions and he brought African Christian leaders together and basically said, let's spend a couple of days and let's ask the Lord, what are the biggest problems facing the continent of Africa? Social, financial, economic, so on and so forth, spiritual. And then he said, all right, what are the biggest problems facing the body of Christ on the continent of Africa? And they worked out all those answers. And then he said, If we actually operated in unity and collaboration, what could God do through the Christians and the churches in Africa? And they began painting that picture and casting that vision of what would actually be possible if the Christians united and collaborated. And they articulated that. And then he said, all right, now each one of you, what could you do personally or what could you bring to the table that would help the body of Christ unify and collaborate? And everybody chimed in and said, well, I could do this. I could bring this. I could do this. And they put that all together and that became an action plan. And out of that action plan, they actually went out. They mobilized 21,000 local churches. They saw 64.5 million people hear the gospel for the first time. And they saw 1.7 million new believers come into the kingdom in 50 days. 21,000 churches. 64.5 million people heard the gospel, 1.7 new believers in 50 days. This is what the Lord is breathing on right now. Unity and collaboration, common finish lines, everybody bringing what they have to the table to go after something bigger than each one of themselves.
0: Okay. So what I love about both those stories, James, because that answers the question, how do, what do we do as an individual? How do we become a reformer? And just imagine in a small group, your circle of friends, in your Bible study, your men's group, your women's group, whatever it is, sitting down and, and saying, hey, what's on our heart? What would collaboration and unity look like towards something that God's given us, you know, a passion for and a common thing? And you just start sharing, and guess what? Small things can turn into something huge. It reminds me of a gentleman here in Denver who just passed away, Ken Hutchison, he was a pastor, and he was in the inner city of Denver, and he just saw how the graduation rates at the time for African Americans in our Denver public school systems was 44%. The For Latinos, was 48%. The crime, the opportunity was terrible, and God was not in our inner city here in Denver. He's like, what can one person do? So he started, he brought together a group and said, God's put this on my heart. What can we do about it? Well, let's just fast forward today. He started a nonprofit that has now led 65,000 inner city youth to the Lord. They're working in our public schools. The graduation rates of the kids that are in this uplift program are between 98 and 99% every single year. Last year, for the first time, 100% of those kids went on to secondary education, whether it's you know going to Stanford on a full scholarship which would never have been possible if they hadn't been in this program, or, you know, a trade school. And so I just hope what people are listening to is to be super encouraged that, guess what, as an individual in partnership with the Father, with what's happening right now, what can be accomplished is massive. And you know what? It doesn't mean that you have to start this huge and large organization. What if just you and a small group of friends pull together and unify and collaborate and just make a small difference right in your neighborhood or in your community or just with people that you know, you never know where that might lead to. But you know what, James, I think it's a time where we actually need to start dreaming bigger and know that it doesn't depend on us to get the results.
1: Well, and I think what we need to do is we need to stop and pause and say, what is God's vision for our city? I mean, you have Nehemiah who rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days. And he basically crowdsourced people. Every family got a section of wall or the gate in front of their house, and they unified a supply chain. And out of that, they actually rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days. And then you see what Bekele and Operation uh, Sunrise Africa did in 50 days. And every single person, nobody had to do anything really, really big. It's just a unified plan and strategy. Now, Amos 9.14 says, I will restore the fortunes of my people, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. And right now, here in America, I know there's people around the world listening to this podcast, but here in America, we have riots in the streets right now. At this point, you know, Portland, Oregon has had months straight of riots every single day, and the city's getting burned, and buildings are getting destroyed. Well, what is God's vision for Portland, Oregon? What is God's vision for every single one of these cities where there's destruction and there's anarchy happening? And The Lord promises, I will restore the fortunes of my people. They shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. There is a promise that God has spoken over every single city, over every single region, over every single nation. There is a mantle on it, and there is a prophetic promise. And we have the ability— If we operate in unity and collaboration to say, what is God's strategy? What could he do in my city in 52 days? How could he transform it? And we have the opportunity and the invitation to rebuild the cities and inhabit them with the presence of God. And I think that that is part of this Reformation conversation.
0: Now, in the middle of all this, James, you had this idea that God gave you that has now turned into commissioned. And I'd love for you to share with us what that is, because it's really exciting.
1: Yeah, my wife and I are very audacious. And so one of the things the Lord spoke to us a number of years ago was he said, Christians uh, are the single largest social demographic on the planet. And he provoked us and said, what if Christians actually operated like it? What could we actually do if we operated like we were the single largest social demographic on the planet?
0: Operated with unity and collaboration, you mean?
1: operated with unity and collaboration (laughs) and every single person brought what the Lord gave us to the table. Sort of like what Bekele asked his leaders in Africa, what would be possible if each of you brought what you had to the table? What could we do? And so the Lord began speaking that to us and we took some of our learnings from our agency and some of the other things we were doing. And the Lord gave us a blueprint for a technology and media platform to unify the body of Christ in vision and strategy. And so now at this point, it's up, it's in the app stores. It's called Commissioned. You can search for the Commissioned app. And the Commissioned app, as you sign on and you fill out your profile, you tell us some demographic information and some geographic information, but then you also get to say, here's the causes, passions, interests, spheres of culture that excite me. Here's my assignment. Here's what the Lord has given me that I could bring to the table. Here's what I need to accomplish the assignment that God has given me. And then we use artificial intelligence and algorithms and crowdsourcing technology to create unified teams of Christians focused around causes, passions, interests, initiatives, and spheres of culture. So you can literally go on and be partnered with other people, other groups, and other initiatives, and you get to bring what you have to the table. So, you know, let's go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem or let's see the city of Portland, Oregon transformed in 52 days. What would that look like? And if everybody comes and brings what they have to the table, we can actually mobilize and accomplish God's purposes in our cities, regions and nations. But it doesn't have to be something really big. It could be small. It could be a small local church saying, hey, we want to mobilize, you know, a group of volunteers to go clean up the city park. It doesn't have to be something really, really big. It could be something very localized as well. But the point is, if everybody brings what they have to the table, and we operate in unified vision and strategy, and we have a common finish line, a common target we can go after, then we can actually accomplish the purposes of God. And that's what we're pursuing through Commissioned.
0: Yeah, like like there was one in the news feed just the other day that I thought was really interesting just a thread about what's effective strategies for uniting churches in our cities. I mean, just imagine here in in Denver, James, this is kind of what's on my heart right now, right? Is what happened if all the different church leaders all got together across, you know, ecumenically and just said, what are the biggest problems that we need to solve here in the city? Kind of like what mm-hmm. McKelly did, Mm-hmm. Who do we need to get involved? Do we get in, you know, involved the mayor's office, the police departments? Who knows these people? Yep. Can we just have a summit where we bring everybody together so we can just listen and understand, and then what can we do as the body of the Christ to solve some of the biggest problems that the city has? Because when we get involved from that perspective, all of a sudden we're stepping really into the role that we need to be doing. Completely changes our influence. We're having an impact, but we're also now partners with the, you know, kind of these worldly organizations in affecting positive change.
1: Yeah. And if you go back to Nehemiah's example, essentially what he did was he created the plan and the strategy, and then he created a unified supply chain so that everybody could come and partner and accomplish their own small piece of the bigger strategy. And so that's what we are doing with Commissioned is we are actually unifying the Great Commission supply chain. We've spent the last couple of years building relationships with all of the groups and organizations that we understand are a vital piece of actually helping Christians solve these problems, big or small. And we are inviting everybody to come to the table. We need investors. We need kingdom philanthropists. We need education and training and content. We need churches. We need pastors. We need volunteer organizations. We need parachurch organizations, missions organizations. We need individuals, entrepreneurs, marketplace leaders, network leaders. We need people in every single sphere of culture. We need people in Hollywood. We need intercessors and prayer teams. Uh, Every single group that is carrying an assignment from the Lord, we invite you to come and join the commissioned app and let us connect you with other people going after the same assignment And let's see what the Lord can do through 2.2 billion Christians if we actually unified and collaborated and brought what we have to the table to serve a bigger purpose and accomplish God's assignment. Uh, Jesus commissioned us to disciple all nations. And so we are leveraging media and technology to help us fulfill that assignment.
0: Yeah, and you know, you think of that, right? Disciple all nations, And I used to think, you know, what can one person do? I mean, that's like almost so big. And what I've seen, and you've already given us some great examples, is just a one or two or a small group of people in partnership with the Father, all of a sudden it grows to 1,500 organizations. The Table 71 group in the last number of years have witnessed, been able to get into what, 30, almost 3,500 people groups, Thirty. 400 people groups, 65 million, 64.5 million people in 50 days from when they all sat down and said, what could we do if we work together? Yeah. So, you know, we look at the world and a lot of us have a tendency to, you know, complain or moan or maybe be a little bit in fear about what's coming. But what you're talking about, James, is, hey, let's take that almost limiting belief and flip it over to a liberating truth is that, you know what, we can be part of the solution when we tap into the vision and the mission that God has given the church and that God has given us and then how he wants to join him in that. But we have to be willing to actually take that next step, reach out to somebody and say, hey, let's pull together a group. Let's all jump on a Zoom call. I don't know where it goes, but I just feel like in my heart that this is something I should be working on, and let's see what happens. Because you know what? When you do something— Something happens,
1: and there actually really isn't a lack of resources. I know a lot of people when we start talking unity and collaboration, there tends to be two things that rise up. One, well, what if I lose my donors? If you're a ministry, you know, I'm afraid to partner with somebody else because I either don't want to lose my people or I don't want to lose my finances or my revenue sources. And those are very, very legitimate concerns. But we need to understand that that's what it looks like when we operate out of a spirit of poverty. An abundant mindset says, "God has given us everything that we need, and there is more where that comes from." Right? Scripture says He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That God is a God of abundance, but this isn't ethereal. It's not like yes, there are storehouses of heaven, and I wish I could lay a hold of it. In the here and now, we already know, and this is from conversations we've had with donor advised funds, family offices, foundations, trusts. Just in the U.S., this is legitimate. There are billions of dollars currently in the hands of Christians that are stalled on the sidelines. And it's these generous givers and kingdom philanthropists who have said before, we've given our money to all sorts of ministries and organizations, and they either wasted it, they had no impact, or they were just wildly inefficient and we couldn't have any visibility into the actual eternal impact they were having with these finances. And so they've temporarily pulled that money back and are just holding on to it. We know that in the hands of 50 million Bible-believing lovers of Jesus, and this is documented, there is $1.2 trillion in the U.S. just in the hands of the 50 million Bible-believing lovers of Jesus. So we don't need more money. We don't need to volunteer more. We don't need to do more activities. We just need to do it together. We already have in our hands everything that we would need to accomplish the purposes of God in our cities, regions, and nations.
0: Well, you know, here's a point on that, too. And this is where I think commission can be and, and people be open to collaboration and unity. James, a friend of mine, he runs an organization for people that are doing, you know, they have a large giving capacity. And this family, what they really wanted to do was, you know, human trafficking, the sex trade. That's They wanted to give money that, to faith-based organizations that were going to really, you know, that are actually making a difference, moving the needle. So, they did a whole research project just in the US. I think the number was 457 nonprofits. Yeah. So, think about the donors like, okay, who do I donate to? Who's doing yep. a good job? How do I even look at the numbers? What they came out of that, their recommendation was hey, there's only literally a handful of organizations that are really doing well. But if these groups came together and kind of gave up, you know, we're willing to work together because there are some people that have really good skills in certain areas, but not, you know, the organizational skills. But those could all be collapsed down and collaborated into a smaller number of groups that are highly effective that people, whether it's giving $20 or $50,000, I would know immediately, okay, that's where my money's going to. That's also something that needs to happen if we look at all these... I pulled together a group, oh, I think of 10 people on Zoom that were in that, that I just, God had put in my path. And so we all got together on a couple different Zoom calls and just said, hey, what are your biggest challenges? What are your struggles? And the coolest thing that came out of that is some people were amazing at grant writing and tried to help the other ones with grant writing. Other people had holes in their program and they said, hey, let's collaborate and work together on that. So what it means is we just have to be open to... I guess approaching every single one of these issues with open hands versus this is this thing that I created. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. And that's what we've been able to do here with commissioned is we're actually creating, actually we've created a crowdsource problem solving methodology. And if you're not familiar with crowdsourcing, it's not just crowdfunding where you're asking people to give money. When we use the term crowdsourcing, we're actually looking at ideas, strategies, solutions, action plans social capital and influence we're looking at everything that is involved in bringing people together to help address a problem or unite around a vision and some of that is resources and finances for sure but to really crowdsource a solution to a problem it's so much more than just the resources sometimes it's i need access to these five people or i need access to these networks or i need somebody to you know contribute data entry. It's all sorts of things. And so we've actually created a patented crowdsource problem-solving methodology, and our platform actually guides groups and organizations through this process to help unite people around a unified vision and strategy. And crowdsourcing really works. Research has shown that if you use a multi-tier sampling process, a crowd can get to the same answer as subject matter experts got to 91% of the time. So let me say that again. A group of people who know nothing about a problem or its solutions, if you facilitate a good quality crowdsourcing process, they can ultimately end up at the same solution as subject matter experts, 91% of the time. And we believe that the Holy Spirit has given us built in wisdom and intelligence from heaven to partner with heaven to accomplish God's purposes. So how much more is the body of Christ can we solve these issues? We believe that heaven holds the answer to every problem that our world faces. So as Christians, if we can unite together and we can say, God, what are you wanting to do here to address this issue? We can actually release heaven's strategies and solutions and then mobilize people, resources, finances. We can create best practices and we can create a repository so we know what to do and what not to do the next time. So that ultimately, as we do this more and more and more, we'll be able to solve these initiatives over and over and over again with greater impact and more efficiency.
0: Well, I hope everybody out there listening is as totally fired up and excited as I am. And here's, here's what I'm, I'd love for you to do is after listening to this, go share it with a friend because they need to be on this platform. Download the commissioned app. I'm on there. James is on there clearly. And you're going to be able to connect and meet and problem solve and start making progress in maybe some of these areas that you know you're meant to make a difference in. Or the other thing is too, James, which I love about it, right? Maybe you think this is an area. So guess what? You can go in and you can explore and you can read and you can meet people and say, is this it? Like, no, I don't know if that's quite it. Like my son just went through a process. He thought it was, you know, a couple different causes, but they were all kind of oh, in the same zip code. And finally, like he is now all in on something that he's doing because I think, you know, God's going to lead us through this discovery process and say, this is where I want you operating. Because guess what? The answer is there. It's not a mystery. So download the Commissioned app, get on there, start meeting people, contributing, being part of moving forward. And I hope you guys are excited about that. And with that, James, what are just some final thoughts you'd like to leave with everybody as we wrap up?
1: I think the most important thing that I need to say to you is you are absolutely vital to God's purposes. You carry a piece that nobody else carries. And it's not insignificant, no matter what it is. We all know what it takes to pull off something and actually solve a problem. And almost all of us would say, there is a burning desire in my heart to do X, Y, Z. And some of those things could be produce great art or produce a great song. And that has an impact in culture. So every single one of us are called to be revivalists and reformers that manifest the power and presence of God in our cities, regions, and nations. We have been commissioned to disciple all nations. It is going to take every single one of us bringing what we have to the table and agreeing to lay down our own self to unify and collaborate with other Christians. And if we do that, Christians could be the single largest mobilized force for good the world has ever seen. And that is our heart. That's John 17. I believe that John 17 is God's strategy. I believe he is breathing fresh life on that. And so we invite you to join us. This is a grand experiment to say what would happen if the body of Christ actually operated as a body and if everybody brought what they had to the table to serve a unified vision and strategy and go after a common finish line. So join us. You can uh, sign on at www.commissioned.global. Or you could download the commissioned app on Android or iTunes and join us and be part of mobilizing the body of Christ.
0: And I love what you said there. I want everybody to just remember that as a takeaway, that we have been commissioned. It's not a dependent event. It's not an if-then statement. It's like, no, we've been commissioned. So now just lean into that, and God is going to show you where that path goes. I have no doubt. James, thank you for what you guys are. You and Anna and the whole team is doing. This is exciting. I know we're going to get a chance to see each other here soon, which I'm really looking forward to getting to see you in person. And uh, everybody out there, be part of this. This is a big deal. It really is. It's bigger than you might realize. And this might be the one thing, this podcast, what James and I talked about, the commission platform that you've been seeking for, that you've been looking for, as you've been praying for God to show you what's next and how to do some of these things that are on your heart. So it is time for all of us to take action, take that next small step forward and just let God keep guiding your path and just trust him.
1: Well, incredibly honored to be on the show with you here and to all of you in the Eternal Leadership Podcast. Uh, It's just a privilege to be with you guys again and um, look forward to connecting with you guys.
0: Yeah, me too. All right, James, you're awesome, buddy. Take care.